Hello, welcome to Caregiver's Haven, a podcast helping families who are caregivers of a loved one with a mental illness gain peace of mind. Even though this is a podcast focused on family caregivers of the mentally ill, much of the discussion can be helpful to any caregiver. Your host is Sandra. She is a family caregiver sharing her lived experiences and hopes to provide education, support, and resources to other families. Hey caregivers, how are you? I hope you're all doing great. And you know, I'm going to ask, are you taking time to rest, relax, and rejuvenate? Remember, we have to keep ourselves calm and healthy in order to take care of our loved ones. So today we will be discussing de-stressing and calming ourselves when our usual techniques are unavailable. It may seem simple enough, but sometimes things catch us off guard and we have to be ready to pivot. You know, sometimes we have to pivot from our usual calming activity. And so in my mind, self-care and self-calming are a little bit different. Some of the activities like may look the same, but for me, self-care is more preventative while self-calming and distressing can be used in an urgent situation or a crisis situation. So back in June, I posted on Instagram at Caregiver Saving a picture of me next to a river. And the caption read, work with what you got. During that time, I was out of state helping my daughter who was having her first baby. And things are really stressful because first of all, we were traveling out of state during the pandemic. So we ended up driving um, about 20 hours because we didn't want to fly. And I mean, that was stressful just, you know, traveling during the pandemic, making sure we had our mask and washing our hands and staying healthy for ourselves. And also because, you know, she's pregnant, we don't want to give any uh, germs to her, her husband or the baby when it came. So that was stressful enough. But then while we were there, all the rioting and protesting started. And so she lived right in the middle of it. And the streets were blocked at nighttime. The streets are blocked with like people and police and blockades. Um, and then at some point the city instituted a curfew. And so we were right in the middle of it. And we were like, how are we going to get her to the hospital if she goes into labor at night? Because even if you called the police, like they, they couldn't get to us. It, it was just, it was just really scary thinking about it. And so between that and the pandemic and the racial injustice, just everything like kind of took its toll on me and I started feeling a little bit of anxiety coming on. And you know, I consider myself a pretty strong person. I can usually take a lot. Um, I don't usually have uh, issues with anxiety, but this was a lot. This, this whole year has been a lot really, but that was just a lot, just trying to figure out how we were going to maneuver through that whole situation. And so um, things worked out. We She did go into labor at nighttime, but at that point, the police had moved the blockades up. So, what, so we were able to get out on her street. So things worked out. But my, my whole point is I had, you know, I needed to calm down. And so usually to calm myself, I go to the beach and I live in California. And so I can go to like many, many different beaches within 45 minutes to an hour and a half from my house, like in three different counties, beautiful beaches, but I wasn't near a beach. I didn't have the smell of the ocean, which I wouldn't have been able to smell it anyway, but 
you know, normally the smell of the ocean and the sound of the waves, it just it literally calms me down and getting in the water. It's just all very calming for me. But even though there wasn't a beach there, there was a river and it was within walking distance. So one day I just took a walk and went walking along the river and there were ducks and boats and the water. And so I bought an ice cream cone and I just sat and watched the ducks and their little families play and watched the boats and just let the water just calm me. And I felt so much better after that outing. But you see, I had to pivot. I had to work with what was available to me at that moment. I had to work with, with, work with what you got. I had to work with what I had. And so something similar happened to me about three weeks ago where I had to pivot. So as you, re- as you may recall in episode six of Caregiver's Haven podcast, I talked about my coronavirus experience. My husband, one of my sons, and I all had it. My husband and son were both hospitalized. My husband was the worst. worst, And well, we're still dealing with remnants from that hospitalization. He's had to have two surgeries in the past month or so. So the first um, surgery, I was told that I could come up with him to the pre-op area and wait with him. I had dropped him off like in front of the hospital like I normally do, but then he called me and he was like, hey, they said you can come up with me. And I was like, hmm, well, this is new. Um, because since COVID started, no one had been allowed to come into the hospital except for patients and employees. But I mean, we were happy. He wouldn't have to sit there by himself all alone waiting to be taken back into the OR, which can be very, you know, anxious, uh, cause a lot of anxiety with someone. So once I took him back to the OR, I had to go to my car. They told me to go back to my car and wait. So I was used to this because during this whole ordeal, I have spent many hours in the car. So I was prepared. I had books and a tank of gas because it was over 100 degrees and I was going to keep that air conditioner running. I don't want to be sitting up there sweating and fainting from the heat. And the reason I was prepared is because this was about the fifth time that I've had to wait in my car for hours because they weren't letting family members into the hospital. Their first four times... It was when I took my husband and my son to the ER when they first had COVID. So I would take them to the emergency room. We didn't we didn't even know this was going on until the first time. I took my husband first and I took him and they were like, <clears throat> we're going to take him back, but you need to go sit in the car. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're not letting anybody in right now. It just started two days ago. So all of those ER visits, I would take them to the ER and then I have to go wait in my car until the doctor called. One time it took four hours, one time it took five hours, the other times it took like two or three hours. And a couple of times it was like late at night, like I would be sitting in my car at 12 or one in the morning, waiting for the doctor to call, trying to find out if they're gonna be admitted or not, or if they're okay. And the, well, the reason I had so many ER visits is because when I first took my husband to the emergency room, he was admitted right away. But my son, the first time I took him, he got sent home, um, The second time I waited and waited, but he did get admitted. And then after he got discharged, I had to take him back one more time because the doctors wanted to check him again. So anyway, that's how I knew to be prepared in my car with my, I had a blanket, you know, during those times when I was going at night. But during those times when I was in the car, what I would do is I would have books and stuff, but I would also be talking on the phone to like one of my family members, or one of my prayer partners to keep me company. 
you know, they would just help me stay calm and distracted. And, you know, cause I would be sitting there waiting for the unknown. I, I didn't know when I said waiting for them in the ER, I didn't know, like, are they going to admit them or not admit them? Or what is the doctor going to say? And so they would just keep me company. So anyway, on this particular day, I was waiting in the car as my husband had surgery. The doctor said it would take about 45 minutes and he would call me in about an hour. And then the nurse would call me to drive to the front of the hospital when he was ready to go home. Okay, cool. Got it. So everything went as planned and I waited in the car. The doctor called in about an hour, said everything went well. And the nurse called about 30 minutes later and said that he was ready to go home. Good. So that was the first surgery. Um, and everything went well. We went home. It went just as the doctor said. But after, after also after that surgery, the doctor told me um, there's way more scar tissue on his windpipe than I thought. So he's going to need another surgery in about two weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. All right. We got it. We'll be there. So two weeks later, which was about three weeks ago, we go back. Same scenario. I drive my husband off at the front. Um, but this time he calls me and he says, um, they said you can come up again and this time you can stay the whole time. And I was like, really? All right. Well, this is exciting. This is great. Like, I, you know, I had brought out my little paraphernalia, my books and food and stuff in the car, but it looks, I was like, dang, I won't need that. And I don't have to sit in this hot sun in the car, you know, <laughs> waiting, scared. I was going to miss the call and just all the, all the stuff that we're just sitting in that you go through when you're just sitting and waiting in the car. Even the doctor was excited because he didn't even know that I could stay. Um, but the charge nurse came and said, oh yeah, it's new. We just started it this week. We're, we're letting family members come up. So I sit with my husband in the pre-op area and then they come and they take him to the operating room. And so I go to the surgery waiting room. And so it was like, it was so nice and clean. And they had, um, it was, you could only sit in every other chair because they were practicing social distancing. And I'm right next door to my husband. So I'm like, I'm right here with him. As soon as they're done, the doctor come out and talk to me. So I'm sitting there reading my book and an hour goes by and an hour and a half and no one comes to talk to me. So I'm like, okay, the doctor said, 45 minutes to an hour and no one's come to talk to me. So I pick up my phone to call my family because that's what I do, right? That's what I was doing in the car. When I would get anxious or, or more nervous, I would pick up the phone and call someone and we would just talk and, you know, I would, I would calm down. Um, but I couldn't talk on the phone because so the waiting room, it was really big, but it was kind of, it was, it was one big room, but it was kind of divided. And on one side of the room, there's a TV on and it was blasting. Like the volume was up so loud. I don't know what the heck. I don't know why they thought that was okay, but the volume was up so loud. And then on the other side, that's where the lady was checking in the patient. So you couldn't talk on the phone over there. You had to be quiet because she was registering people. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go in the hallway. Well, I went in the hallway. I, it said quiet area. You can, no talking on the phone. And so I asked the lady if I could go downstairs and she said, well, you can go downstairs, but you may not be able to come back up. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So by now of me trying to figure out what to do, it's been like two hours and still no one has come and talked to me. And you know, so all kind of things are going through your mind. Like, is everything okay? Why hasn't no one come and talked to me? And I see other nurses coming in and talking to other family members. But, uh, what happened to my doctor, my nurse for my husband? So 
of course, our minds, our beautiful minds can sometimes um, get nervous and start taking you down some paths that you don't want to go to. So my mind just starts helping me go down the path of fear and pity. So I'm like really nervous, like wondering what's going on because they haven't come in there to talk to, talk to me. And then I'm like, I'm here by myself. I'm always here by myself. I've been sitting in the car by myself. They won't let any family member come up here with me. I've been in this ER four times. I've been in this hospital four additional times, not to mention all the doctor appointments in the meantime. And I'd be sitting in the car by myself and now a second surgery all because of this virus. And I was at home by myself when they were both in the hospital and on and on and on. It was like, it was like the whole six months of this COVID ordeal all came tumbling down all at one time. And so I was, I mean, I'm laughing now. It was not funny then because I was like real, really literally about to lose it. And it was all because my usual um, form of de-stressing and self-calming was not available to me. In that particular situation, my self-calming activity was talking on the phone to my family and it wasn't available. I I was sitting there. I was like really, really, really about to lose it. Um, and, and just, you know, all that negative chatter in my brain just going on and on and on. And I literally started feeling sorry for myself. I started thinking about everything we had been going through for the whole six months. And, you know, before I was just, you know, prayerful and positive and grateful, which I am still grateful to the almighty God for pulling all of us through this, you know, for we are still here. We're still healthy. Um, but at that particular moment, I was, I was not doing very well. So I had to pivot. And what I did is I had my phone and my headphones with me. And so I put on, um, I put my headphone on and I went to YouTube and found the gospel song that I listened to when my husband and son were in the hospital. And I, I listened to that song all day, every day while they were in the hospital. Um, I think I talked to you guys about it on one of my podcasts, the um, Clark sisters trust in him. And I just kept playing it over and over, over and over, over and over. And because I'm telling you, my anxiety was like so high, <laughs> I was going to start crying or screaming or something. But I started playing the song over and over and slowly, slowly, but surely, slowly but surely I started calming down I just started calming down and I was able to start kicking out all of that negative chatter going on in my head just kicking it out I was able to just replace it with positive affirmations and calm words positive words and it just it just relaxed my soul I just needed to relax and calm myself down and bring my mind back to positivity instead of all that negativity. And I mean, I, I've been through a lot. My family has been through a lot. So I had the right to have a pity party. Like really, I had the right to feel alone. I had that right. But even though I had that right, I couldn't, I couldn't waddle in it. And I couldn't um, let myself go there because I needed to be strong for my husband. I needed to be strong for me. Like I needed to be ready to take him home when they, when they came in there. So eventually the doctor called and my husband was discharged. I ended up being there three hours. Now, mind you, he told me 45 minutes per hour. It was three hours before he called me 
and t- well, actually he called me at the two and a half hour mark. He called and told me that everything went well. And then the nurse called at the three hour mark and said, you know, you can come back and help your husband get dressed. He's ready to go home. But if I hadn't listened to that song, I would have been a hot mess by that three hour mark. Three hours when you tell me 45 minutes to an hour. And you guys all know I'm a registered nurse. So I know that, you know, things can happen. They, they give you a time and then it's the approximate time. But I also know that sometimes it's a long time because something happened back there. You know, there was some emergency that happened and I just, I was letting myself um, think too much about it. So you're probably wondering what is the point of the story? And the point is, as we talk about self-care, you know, keeping up our energy, staying healthy and calm for our loved one, I just don't want you to forget about self-calming. And so we need to make sure that we have um, something in our toolbox. We need to know what's in our toolbox to distress and stay calm in a stressful situation, especially an unexpected stressful situation. You know, I didn't expect that to happen. I just thought it would be the same as two weeks prior with the prior surgery where I'd just be sitting in the car for an hour and one hour we'd go home. It was unexpected. And so a lot of times when things happen that are unexpected, we, you know, we get a little panicky or we get a little upset or we kind of start not thinking straight. And so I just want you to think about that. Yes, we, um, we know about self-care, but just also think about self-calming, self, you know, distressing. And so your takeaways for today um, is if you have, you may have to pivot, you may have to work with what you got. Like you may not have all the things you normally need, but you may have to work with what you got in any given situation. So your usual go-to for calming may not be available and you have to make sure you have that plan B or plan C or D, you know, sometimes we have to do. Which brings me to my second point, which is know what's in your toolbox. Know what calms you down. You know, like have several activities available in case you need to pivot. Pivot. Um, it could be music, art, reading, going to the beach, which is my favorite. Um, just have different types of activities so that no matter where you are, whether you're in a pi- private place or a public space, you can pull something from that toolbox, you know, to calm you down. And a lot of the activities could be the same, like some of your self-calming activities and your self care activities may be the same, you know, self-care, you know, maybe yoga, doing breathing exercises or um, riding your bicycle, going walking, these same things to be self-calming. But sometimes with self-calming, you may, you may be like out in public or, you know, you may be somewhere where you can't do those things. So you need to have like a variety of self-calming and de-stressing activities or techniques in your toolbox. And uh, so those are, so the, those are the main things I want you to get out of this conversation today is to know what's in your toolbox, have a variety of items in your toolbox and know that sometimes you may have to pivot, you know, just remember, you may have to pivot, have your toolbox ready with activities for self-care as well as, as self-calming tech techniques and activities. So that's it for today. My husband, um, after the surgery, he couldn't talk for a couple of weeks, but now he's talking and his voice is okay. Uh, that was a possible complication was that his voice could be affected, but he's doing well, we're doing well. And I had to pivot once again, 
but I got through it and I hope this is going to help some of you be able to get through some of your stressful situations. Okay, hold on for a few announcements and then I'll be back. Sandra is a registered nurse and many of her guests are healthcare professionals. However, this is not a professional podcast, nor are we associated with any mental health counseling. Please seek help with the professional provider if needed. You can reach Sandra by listening to the podcast on the Anchor app and leaving a message there. Or you can DM her on Instagram at Caregivers Haven. If you enjoy listening to Caregivers Haven podcast, please favorite, subscribe, or follow on your listening platform. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. And until next time, Caregivers Haven is wishing you peace of mind.